the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Welcome to episode number 108 here at the Radio Misfits uh, Network. And it is the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you to Ed and everybody involved. Hey, always check out all of the great podcasts at Radio Misfits, including my second podcast that I have. That show hasn't been funny in years. It's all about SNL. New episodes every Wednesday. Check us all out at Radio Misfits. And please take the time to rate and review us and give us your feedback. You can do that exclusively for my podcast here, the Nick T Podcast, by leaving a voicemail message. Our voicemail system is open 24-7. We want to hear from you. 773-417-6948. Email us anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got a megaphone message that you want me to, uh, to, 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 to say into the Magic Megaphone, which we have uh, another one on this episode, uh, we want to hear from you. What would you like me to say into the Magic Megaphone? Send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or call us 773-417-6948. Be a sponsor. Advertise with us. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs. Uh, coming up, uh, the great Esmeralda Leon, my partner. We're going to be talking about, we got a magic megaphone to give away. Or, or not to give away, we gave one away at, uh, at Zany's the other night. Uh, but we also have uh, the end of the Japanese snacks. They come to an end. We'll move on to other uh, taste tests. And we're going to talk about naming the new snow plows in Chicago. Eric Children, Steve Procopi for their bi-weekly visit. We've got new movies to review and some older ones to talk about as well. And that's all coming up right here. Anytime you want to jump in, we want to hear from you. Let's get right to it, though. Uh, before that, though, we oh look, hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. She loves Eric. She loves Steve. She loves movie reviews, and that's what's coming up next. After I say congratulations to you. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. There it is. That's the theme. That means it's time to review movies. And we do that every other week uh, with Eric Childress and Steve Procopi talking movies, talking movie news, all kinds of stuff. Uh, The Oscar nominations are announced in uh, a few days, and uh, we'll all be waiting with bated breath about that. And uh, we always talk about the new movies, and if there's a revival of some kind or something really cool happening, we we, we cover that as well. And so let me say hello first to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. How are you, buddy? I'm just fine. All right. And uh, Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure you're there. Don't hesitate. We're all sometimes, here. Sometimes we lose. <laughs> sometimes we lose, Steve. Uh, 
Eric, tell everybody where they can see you and hear you and read you and all that uh, good stuff. All right. Uh, with the, the Now Play Network or at Apple Podcast, I have two podcasts, the Movie Madness podcast that uh, we do uh, regular talk of Blu-rays and movie reviews every week. Steve Procopi is a regular with me. Uh, and then the Friendship Dilemma that I co-host with Morgan Geyer. Uh, we did uh, the Kevin Smith's Clerks 2 is the most recent episode, and we're going to be taping uh, in about a week a new episode on the original Planet of the Apes. <laughs> But you're so Good damn, so damn, right. you're so damn ugly. Um, all right, well that's cool. All right, Steve, uh, uh, tell everybody where they can see your stuff. Uh, yeah, in addition to the movie Madness podcast with Eric, uh, you can also find my written reviews on uh, ThirdCoastReview.com, and uh, I'm very often, especially on the weekends, hanging out at the Music Box Theater. That's right. Where are you? It's not. You, it's not like you're. You just hang out there because I'm not just no, hanging out. I'm, you, you don't have a home. Uh, you actually have a job there at the Music Box. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yes. But uh, but even if I didn't, I'd probably be hanging out there anyway. So. Yeah. Well, that's me. Uh, I think so, I just. I think I just got the job because I was hanging out there all the time. So, so, so don't you mean, have homes? That's it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Exactly. Thanks very much. Oh man, uh, you're quite a slouch. So, uh, so, uh, so if I hang out there a little bit more, maybe you guys will give me a job. Is that what you're saying? Because because I'm still out of work. So uh, that might be. Maybe I'll just hang out at the music box and see what happens. I mean, if see you can get happens. a job there, see what happens. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the music box, uh, one more time because it runs through the end of uh, February and people need to get out there. Not like you need the business because the place has been packed. Uh, yeah. But the but the Billy Wilder uh, matinees. Uh, nobody's mm-hmm. perfect. The Billy Wilder matinees. Uh, that you helped program um, every mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday. You show a movie at 11 a.m. Um, it's been it's 1130, pretty, 1130. 1130. Yes, 11:30. <laughs> it's been it's been pretty spectacular. I've come to everyone, and I will come to everyone that that uh, that remain. Uh, tell everybody about what's left, what's going to be screened, and Billy Wilder. Actually, we should tell people it's 11 o'clock because people show up in yeah. like five or ten minutes before the movie starts and they end up in a very long line. But yeah, yeah and, um, and especially at concessions, like the line <laughs> yes. to get in is one thing. The line to get in moves pretty fast, but then that concession line goes, you know. So, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, so, yeah, it's I mean, we still have, we're only three weeks in. This will be our fourth weekend. So we're not even halfway through this thing yet. Um this weekend is double indemnity. The next including this weekend, the next four weeks are just bangers across the board well i think they're so all bang- i think they're all bangers but they, they are but i'm saying in terms of in terms of in ter- i'm saying in terms of the Box tickets office, that are going to be yeah. sold yeah, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. they are going to be packed and yeah. double indemnity is already like on pace to be double at least double what we've sold for the last couple of movies um yeah. and then after that sunset boulevard which i think might sell out and oh then, it will it will uh, ace in the hole is after that, and then cl- uh, not closing out, but the next one after that is Some Like It Hot, which I'm almost positive will sell out. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's yeah. And then we still have two more weeks after that, but um, those are the next four, and they're going to be. So I would strongly urge you to get your tickets in advance. I would and urge show you up to. early. So and because the prints, the, the, they're all in 35. They're all on 35. Yeah. Um, and 35 millimeter. And so far, um, the prints have been magnificent, man. I don't know where mm-hmm. you guys are find, uh, finding these prints. I always like to hear the stories about that. And sometimes, you know, you do the intros and people who do the intros mm-hmm. do tell the story about the print itself. But you guys have been getting some amazing prints. The print for Ball of Fire last week was amazing. It, was, it looked beautiful. Nanochka was a little rough during the during – the, uh, during the, uh, uh, the transitions, yeah. yeah. The, re- the real changes were a little rough, <laughs> but I like that. That means like, oh, I'm watching a real movie. Yeah. Like, I like it crunchy yeah. and a little 
You know what I mean? Like that the reel has that that reel itself has gone through a lot of projectors. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's just been you know it's been amazing. Billy Wilder, you know, you were also featuring the rest of them. He directed the rest of the movies. Yes, and, from now and, on. Yeah, yeah, he directed. But the, there were a couple in the first weeks that he just wrote that he didn't direct. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked I liked that you included that. Um, I think that that was a cool thing. Um, I think it's I think it's critical to tell his story. You have to talk about his right. The first and, those two movies were his first two Oscar nominations as well. Right. So you, and, the, and, and, and I understand you told me that the, some people were bitching about that. Like, I ah, didn't direct him. I'm like, okay, well, so you are going to bitch because you're going to see a Lubitsch film in 35. You're going <laughs> to bitch because film, you're yeah. oh, right. Exactly. You're going to bitch because you're going to see Howard Hawks in 35. This, I mean, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? So anyway, yeah. but, but, a, but a, a, an incredibly uh, uh, a great series that again, uh, these next titles, like you said, man, the next like four weeks, are going to be insane. Uh, so you're going to yeah. get your tickets ahead of time and get there early, get there early <laughs> and uh, to get your seats and to get your popcorn and all that stuff, because yeah. it really is special to see these movies on the big screen. Cause Billy Wilder, one of the greatest filmmakers and writers in the history of cinema. And I know I'm prone to hyperbole, but that's the fucking truth. That's just, but it is the truth. Hey, the yeah. comments have been interesting because a lot of people have told us not just that they like it, but that they, they've seen these movies like, you know, many, many times over, yeah. never on a big screen. And they tell me seeing it with an audience is a completely different experience. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, and it truly is. Um, I, I've seen I had, all these with an audience. And I, I had still no, think it's no, no, I'll tell you what, Ninochka yeah. was, that was the first time I ever saw Ninochka in the theater. Wow. Was this was this yeah. time? Ball of Fire. I thought I saw in the theater years and years and years ago. And I've seen, and again, like all these movies, I've seen them before on television yeah. stuff. And uh, Apartment, I've seen on the big screen. Um, and the ones that are coming up, all of them, uh, all of the, actually, I've seen. No, no, one. Yeah, no, I saw one, two, three in the in the theater. So yeah, so mm-hmm. but it's seeing it in the theater. I mean, like that Ninochka screening for me was spectacular because uh-huh. like, like to see that movie in a beautiful in a theater like the Music Box that could have maybe shown it. You know what yeah. I mean? For all I know, I mean, it could have shown when it first came out. It could have played that theater. Um, and it was just so great. And to see such a legendary film, you know, with a really, really p- packed house and just like the cafe scene alone, man, is just worth. <laughs> I mean, it's a historical scene. It's movie history happening in front of you, man. I, I don't know. But anyway, it's kind of uh, hard to wrap your brain around the fact that some of like the movies we've seen up to now are at least 80 years old. Isn't that nuts? So, isn't that nuts? The movie, the movie you show, <laughs> the, the movie that you showed, Ball Fire, is as old as my father. Like I told my dad, because <laughs> I hang out with my folks on Saturday and he's like, which one are you going to? Because he knew, you know, they know that I'm going to the Billy Wilder mm-hmm. thing every Sunday. And they're like, what are you seeing tomorrow? And I'm seeing a movie of that came out in 1941. And he goes, hey, that's the year I was born. I'm like, holy shit. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, there you yeah. go. All right. Well, now on anyway. to uh, now on to new movies that aren't nearly as good as Billy Wilder. No, I'm. Kidding. Well, that's <laughs> it's oh, true. No. Even, even if they're good, they're not as good as Billy Wilder most of the time. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's unfair. It's really unfair of me to say your movie's not as good as Billy Wilder's. <laughs> that's really yeah. Although one of them this week, although one of them this week is kind of close because it's you know made by John Carpenter. But we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> um, all right. So we got some new movies to talk about. And speaking of the Music Box, the Music Box is doing some John Carpenter stuff. Um, not just the one we're going to review uh, for a, yeah. a regular run, a full week's run, which is outstanding. And sp- speaking of hanging out at um, at the music box, expect me for that a few times. For, for <laughs> okay. that, even though I've seen it nine million times. But anyway, uh, we do have some new ones to talk about. Why don't we start with Alice Darling? Uh, Eric, tell us about this. This is Anna Kendrick's uh, latest film, and it is in theaters. For some reason... It seems to be confusing because I see her doing the talk show circuit, the late night stuff, 
mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes they they seem they seem confused as to whether it's streaming or it's in theaters. <laughs> but it's in theaters, just to let people know that yes. you can see this movie, Alice Darling. It is in theaters, um, and it is technically a, a 2022 release because they wanted the possibility of Kendrick maybe getting a nomination. Um, yeah, so it doesn't count as a 2023 release. It's technically a 2022 film, but it opens uh, today. Yes, it does. So, all right, uh, and, and and Anna Kendrick, as you mentioned, uh, stars in the movie as Alice, uh, and she is in a uh, relationship with a guy named Simon, played by Charlie Carrick. Uh, they, you know, seem to be uh, happy on the surface, but as we see in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, that there are. There's behavior that Alice is uh, putting forth sort of privately, uh, even hiding it from her friends, texting him sexy photos. Uh, He's very possessive. uh, And there's clearly there's something going on in their relationship. Uh, She even has to hide the fact that she's going to go on this uh, little weekly week vacation retreat with two of her best friends, uh, one of them for her birthday, two female friends. So the three of them go off to uh lake house and log cabin and whatnot and are hanging out and there's some tension between them because she's been uh not as she's been a little more distant lately from her friends uh hanging out more with her her boyfriend and her friends slowly and i I probably a little too slowly start to realize that uh, alice's behavior is not particularly normal in any kind of relationship and it's very clear that this Simon has a a, a very specific mental hold on her uh, and the way that uh, this vacation retreat basically kind of turns into an intervention between the three friends uh, is really quite uh, quite a thing and you know there's not a lot to say about the the plot structure of of the story but uh, going into the details of it I will say that this movie really got into my bones, uh, which is not something that doesn't happen very often. And watching the Kendrick's performance in this movie, which I think is one of her be- one of her best, uh, some of her best work, uh, there just the way that she is able to sort of silently project the fear that she has, uh, fear and there's there's self loathing, there's. Uh, resentment towards her friends for not understanding uh what what she's uh the, what she's trying to do with this relationship all of these different things that are going into this very specific uh way of, of, of abuse that is happening in this and again and she says it flat out like he doesn't hurt me so it's not a physical thing but uh, there are a few movies that i think have really delved in particularly lately as successfully as alice darling has in in the way of mental abuse usually when we see these types of relationships in movies there is it's physical there is beating there is you know sexual abuse and all these kind of things and this one really getting into the mindset of this woman uh who is just almost incapable of escaping and she has almost self trapped herself in this relationship and doesn't know how to get out of it. And I think that the, uh, that Mary Nye, the director uh, working with the screenplay, uh, I think does a really good job of not overselling what is going on. Uh, there's a few things that have like the last 20 minutes of this movie. I was really on the edge of my seat in a, in a very particular way. Uh, and I was hoping that, 
they weren't going to, again, like I said, sort of oversell it and turn it into some kind of thriller situation or whatnot. Thankfully, they don't. Uh, I think maybe one thing that happens is maybe a little bit over the top. But all overall, I, I found this movie to be really involving. Uh, I was really kind of shaken up by it. Uh, it runs under 90 minutes. Uh, it very much worked for me. Uh, and I think Kendrick, I think they probably did a, mis- a disservice to her to try to rush this out at the end of the season when everyone had kind of already made up their minds about last year's award season. And I think would have held this to this year. Maybe she would have gotten a little more attention. But uh, but I'm recommending Alice Darling very highly. Yeah. Okay. Steve, what about you? What did you think? Uh, agreed. And I and my only bone to pick with the film is not the film itself. It's whoever mar- the people that are marketing this film, because they do market it as a thriller. They make it seem as it's going to be some sort of borderline horror film. And it's not at all. It's the, I would even argue this isn't a film about the relationship between Alice and Simon. It's about Alice and her two girlfriends. It's That's where I think the film is at its strongest. It really does show those bonds of this friendship and how they become, they can somehow times have a lot of tension. Uh, but ultimately I think it's like this Tess and Sophie or the two friends. And I got to give credit to, to wound me Masaku who plays uh, her friend, Sophie. She is so good in this at just like telling the hard truth. She's a great actress. She's just in the last couple of years, she just really shined in a couple of things and uh, mostly on TV, but, but movies too. And, but like Alice, there are things that Alice, is like hiding from herself and like Simon is not a horror film monster. He's just some like controlling jerk. Who's like like a bit of a baby, a man baby and whines about everything she doesn't do for him. And, and I think when, when Alice sees this through the lens of her friends, she starts to come out of it. And so that's kind of the only tension in the film is whether she's going to withdraw herself from this relationship or not. Um, I think somebody called this um, instead of a home invasion, they called it a mind invasion movie. And I think that's much more accurate. It's such a, such a great psychological story, but it's, but it's really just about this really complicated relationship among these three women. And I think for sure on that level, uh, the director, Mary Nye, who actually is Bill Nye's daughter. um, This is her feature debut. She's primarily been an actress up to this point and a TV director in, in the UK. Um, yeah, I think th- I think this is a great little movie. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's terrific, and I think they have. To, I mean, if you look at the poster, the poster looks like a horror film. It's like she's going to drown, yeah. like she's in a tub yeah. or something. Yeah, it's really weird, and the way they've been advertising it. It's, and 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 again, I've been seeing her, you know, on the you know doing the late night circuit, and um, you know, she is actually kind of going out of her way to let people know it's not a horror movie, I think working against Lionsgate. Like, hey, uh, (laughs) you know, this isn't the movie I made. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not the way I want, you know, and it's not that. And it's a, she's great in it. And actually Mm -hmm. everybody's really good in this. And Anna Kendrick is, is really great. And I agree with you, uh, Eric. Uh, Maybe it should have been handled differently because, you know, I mean, this is an award worthy performance. It's one of the best things she's ever done. And she's a terrific actress. And this is one of the, Best thing she's ever done. If you're a fan of Anna Kendrick and you want to see her do something, you know, a little bit heavier and a little bit different than what she's kind of known for, uh, this definitely fits that bill. Um, and it also is. Uh, I've known I uh, I've known women who have been in relationships like this before. Um, Me too. The psychological bullshit that games that are kind of played and how damaging that can be. Uh, and this movie is uncomfortably accurate in that in that regard. Uh, but it's definitely it's. I don't want people to think, oh God, it's a downer. Blah blah blah. 
It's definitely a, a very good film and definitely worth seeing. It's well made. It's well acted, and it it is it's very truthful. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's really terrific. And mm-hmm. if you're an Anna, if you're an Anna Kendrick fan, it's one of the best things she's ever done. So Alice Darling, let the, don't let that one slip by. It's um it's out there. So make sure you check it yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, Eric, you have not seen Missing. Not yet. No. Um, and let me just say preface this by. And Steve, I was sitting next to you during the screening of this. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what this was. I had no <laughs> idea. I got the invite to it. I'm like, I didn't even do any research. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it was, you know, I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, it's not the Jack Lemmon Sissy Spacek movie from the, you know, Costa Garvis movie from the 80s. <laughs> right. So I know, I know that much. It's not the Ron Howard movie with Kate Blanchett, you know, that's The Missing, right. you know, from, from, you know, that Ron Howard directed. Uh, I don't know what this is. There's a girl in it and there's a computer. That's all I knew walking in. Uh, but why don't you tell everybody, Steve, what this is? And I had, and I really seriously did not know it was connected to the movie Searching. I did not know that. Right. I didn't so know it, it. So yes. So it's, when Searching came out in, in 2018, it had a story told in, in, in a very unique way, which was entirely on screens, like computers and phones with multiple windows open, while this father, played by John Cho, kind of looked frantically for his missing daughter using only those resources available online. So... Now the two guys that that wrote and co and co-wrote and one of them directed it, they moved over to the executive producer roles on this film. Um, they get they get, I think they get a story credit here too, but they have made this film missing using. Well, you know what you know you know why they got a story credit is because they made it's the same idea. <laughs> it's the same, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine, and that's fine. I, I could right. do one more of these. So yeah, but the yeah. guys who the people who the people who Will Merrick and Nick Johnson who edited Searching. Um, they are the, again, writers, directors of this story about a teenage girl named June, played by Storm Reed, whose mother, Grace, played by Nia Long, goes missing while on a vacation with her new boyfriend, uh, played by Ken Long, in, they're in Columbia. Um, the, the concept is basically the same. June is mostly housebound while mom is gone, uh, which doesn't stop her from like throwing a big party and hanging out with her friends and breaking all the rules that her mother set for her. The only assignment her mother gives her is to pick her up at the airport on, on when she gets back, and she almost manages to botch that, uh, but not quite. But but not quite, considering her mother never actually returns from the trip. Uh, June kind of tracked her mom's vacation hijinks through social media posts, but other than that, she has no clue where Grace has disappeared to. From that point on, missing becomes, I think, a really solid amateur detective story with June. Uh, hacking into her mother's accounts and Kevin's accounts and searching through live feeds of tourist spots in Colombia. Um, she manages to enlist the help of a Colombian, I think he's like a task rabbit helper named Javi, yeah. yeah. who's played by the great Joaquim de Alameda. Phenomenal. Um, Phenomenal. To do a little field work for her, and he ends up becoming a much greater asset to her than she could have ever anticipated. So June keeps digging. She gets advice from her mom's best friend, an attorney uh, played by our good friend Amy Landacker, um, and an FBI agent uh, played by Daniel Haney, who is always telling June to let them handle the investigation, which of course she never does. Uh, During the course of the film, we also learn that June lost her father when she was very young, and so the idea of being without uh, a parent when she's not yet like the idea of being without both parents when she's not even technically an adult uh, just like f- pushes her into this extreme investigative measures. Uh, but it turns out that June is her own best clue finder. And some of the ways she digs up hints about people's whereabouts is impressive and clever from a, just from a screenwriting perspective, but like searching uh, by sticking to the screens only visual style, 
the missing filmmakers kind of get stuck at times, uh, becoming a slave to their own sort of unique storytelling device. Uh, there's a final showdown um, in what is basically a cabin in the woods, which just happens to be completely wired with cameras so that we don't miss a second of a fairly you know, scary stuff that's going on there. Uh, being trapped in this format kind of takes us out of the movie for a little bit in those moments, but it leads, I think, to some very funny, like a very funny bit at the end of the film that harkens back to a popular fictional true crime doc series on Netflix. Um, even even with the somewhat janky climax missing, I think is still genuinely engaging, tightly wound thriller, uh, makes the most of it is it of its aesthetics and new technology, including even a smartwatch. Um, and, and a really solid cast. I also really like the way the film tracks the social media and news outlets responses to Grace's disappearance. This becomes like a real news story. Um, we suspect characters of bad things, including Grace, only to be proven wrong as soon as we think we've got it all figured out. And the film definitely kept me guessing almost to the end. Um, you know, and, and I might I might be up for one more of one more film done in this style by this creative team before they need to like move on to something else. But, but I think this one gets it right. It elevates the crop of, of mostly junky new releases we're getting right now. So yes, I, I really dug missing. I did too. I did too. And I, and I, and I agree with you. I think the, the, the film, who, by the way, before the screening that we went to, they showed like a little intro by the directors slash writers. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the, they looked like they were fucking 15 years old. I swear to God. When I was like, wait a minute, these guys can't get into an R-rated movie. How the hell are they making it? Um, and so, uh, so and clearly it's got a very Gen Z vibe to it because of, you know, the whole concept of doing it through the internet and social media and that's, you know, and, and how younger people now are so connected to their devices completely. And that is an overriding, not only stylistic theme to this movie, but an entire theme about what the movie's about. And it really does it well. It does it well, for, you know, from the perspective. I'm a 57 year old man, uh, you know, uh, who you know who who's not as into this, you know, stuff. I have to be, you know. Uh, <laughs> but like the the, mm -hmm. the 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 20 somethings, this is their life. And I was like, very, at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be another. You know, I, I'm going to be bored by this. I'm not going to care. But it's really well done. It is. It's one of these. It, it's. A, it was a movie that actually, when it was over, I was like, hey, Gen Z might not suck as filmmakers. They might not suck. Uh, now, granted, it's it is it's set up the same way as Searching. I got to say, I think this is better than Searching. I think this movie is better than Searching. Yeah. Um, but it paints itself into that corner at the end, as you said, Steve. Like that last that last ten minutes is like all right, come on, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the worst part is like you bet you and, and it's used so cleverly and so really astonishingly well for that first eighty minutes, you know? Like it's able to tell the story and there are a lot of surprises. There's I saw this movie, we saw this movie, Steve, in a theater full of people, mm -hmm. and there were a lot of <gasps> a lot of that <laughs> shit, you know, where the audience was like surprised, you know, and me too. I was like ooh, and I laughed at some of the some of the shit. Um, and to see this movie with a crowd of, you know, preferably 20-somethings, man. See this movie with a crowd of 20-somethings, and you're going to have a great time. It's just that the ending, does, they do paint themselves into a corner. But outside of that, yeah. this is tight. It's beautifully done. It's really well acted. Everybody's really good in it. Uh, mm -hmm. Nice to see Amy in a role that kind of twists and turns itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't know where she's going and yeah. you know, what her allegiances are. Uh, and every couple of minutes, something happens. I'm not. There's a there's a section in the movie about a 20 minute section in the movie where like it seems like every three minutes something goes ooh, where you like something happens. <laughs> um, and this yeah. is a very very entertaining, tight, quick, uh, effective movie. 
unfortunately, again, stylistically, they paint themselves into that corner uh, for the big climactic thing at the end. But so it all pulls together at the end, and the final two minutes are great. The payoff is great. <laughs> uh, I think it's yeah. a terrific movie. I think it's terrific. And, and, you know, and again, I liked, it. I liked it more than Searching, and I thought Searching was pretty good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I thought this was really good. And I got to say, knowing nothing, absolutely nothing about this movie, <laughs> nothing, I walked out going, God damn, that was good. And I felt good about the future of movies in the hands of Gen Zers. I really did. So it didn't, it didn't make me dislike Bodies, Bodies, Bodies or think that that wasn't accurate, because it is. But it, it made me feel better about the Gen Z filmmakers of the world. So I, I liked it. I liked it. Again, mm-hmm. still stunned by how old these guys were. And they came, hi, we directed the movie. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So, you know, like, oh, we have to go. Our parents have to pick us up now. You know, it felt like that when I was, like during the interview. I'm like, God damn. All right. Anyway, the movie's good. Missing. So, yeah. uh, all right. That's out now. In theaters. Another one that's in theaters. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, okay. So, The Sun is a movie uh, that is a 2022 release that is finally getting released uh, here in Chicago, um, and I think nationwide, because uh, Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. was just on uh, Colbert the other night. Uh, and this is a Hugh Jackman film, and I guess it's connected to The Father thematically or even prequely. I don't know. Um, I think it's just yeah, he, I heard it's him a play. Say, I heard him say that, that it's sort of a prequel to The Father, and I'm like, really? I, I haven't read that anywhere. It's, I'm not sure where he got they that said it, They said it. I watched the interview with Colbert, and they said same, it's, same. it's the prequel. And I was like, what? So is Anthony Hopkins playing the same guy? Because it doesn't seem no like way. it. No, no way. way. No, no way. Well, I mean, well, no, there's he has I mean, different, he has different whole, kids in the other movies. Yeah, right. and, he's also, yeah not a, and he's, also, he's also not a total fucking bastard. Like he is in, <laughs> in the sun. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, Eric, tell us about. Okay, we'll figure this out as we go. Tell <laughs> yeah, us about. Let's do tell this. us about the, the new movie, <laughs> The Sun. The Sun, and it is well, based on. It's based on a play. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's based on a play uh, by uh, Florian Zeller, uh, who uh, the last film did was The Father, which was the film that, uh, depending on who you ask, is the film that either won Anthony Hopkins the Oscar or lost Chadwick Boseman the Oscar uh, the year <laughs> it came out. Uh, but uh, this one, The Sun. Uh, does star Hugh Jackman as Peter, uh, who uh, has a new wife, uh, Vanessa Kirby, and they have a very uh, young, uh, they have a new baby. And uh, one uh, night, uh, his ex-wife, Laura Dern, uh, shows up at their apartment and basically says there's something wrong with their son. I think at this point, uh, he hasn't been going to school. Uh, so he goes to talk to his son, uh, teenager uh, Nicholas, played by Zen McGrath, and uh, his son uh, doesn't isn't really opening up about what is going on at, at school and why he's behaving the way he is. But he desperately wants to go live with his father. Uh, and Peter decides that you know maybe this is something we can try and might be the best thing for him. Uh, his wife is a little sketchy on on the on this, the potential of this, but they do it anyway and they move in. And right from the jump. It's pretty clear that uh, Nicholas is not going to mesh with uh, his his father's new wife, uh, making comments about how she actually broke up uh, their parents uh, at, at one point, and this is something that uh, guilt that Peter has to carry with him. 
as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Hopkins actually plays Peter's father in the movie. Uh, you know, one, almost a one scene cameo. Oh, it is uh, so one, he goes it's to visit him. To yeah, it's one scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's one scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he goes to visit him to talk about this this issue, and he basically gets a sort of a what for? Why are you coming <laughs> here to lay all your crap on me? Uh, that you know, you're, you're I, I'm just you're just trying to be a better father than I apparently uh, never was. Uh, but you know the the, the relationship uh, with his son, uh, as much as he's trying to build a bond with them, trying to connect with them, trying to figure out what is wrong with them, uh, he continues to spiral, and it becomes very very clear to us, as opposed to anyone else in the film except a doctor, uh, that this kid is suffering from very severe depression, uh, and and this is a movie that. Uh, doesn't want to address that head on. And this is one of the problems that one of the big problems I have with the film and this, this entire story is that everything that we felt in the father and the way that Zeller portrayed the dementia, that was a film about dementia that Hopkins was going through and did it through visuals and did it through trick, uh, tricking us uh, in the sort of POVs and stuff that well, it was a very clever way to get us inside the mind of someone going suffering through that affliction. Here, they have a kid going through depression, and the movie is the exact opposite of the father, and that it seems like this is the first movie, it almost feels like an after school movie or some movie from the 1980s that is going to be the big movie that's going to deal with the issue of depression like no other film has ever done before, but they don't know how to quite do it yet, they don't have all the facts, so they're just going to skirt around the issue uh, as much as possible, and everything in this movie that deals with the son comes off as false, uh, including up to the point that there's a loaded gun in the house uh, calling Mr. Tolstoy. And I, I just, I, I, everything about this movie just felt false to me. That didn't feel like there was a genuine moment in the movie. Everything felt completely written or underwritten. Uh, I think Jackman is doing the best he possibly can with a role. He's inhabiting this character, but he's not given a, a particularly smart character. Uh, I know that parents uh, have deal with children who have depression and they might not have all the facts and they might not know everything, but it is 2022. And these issues are a lot more commonplace than they were even 10 years ago. And uh, even as uh, built up as he is with his own work and his new family and everything like that, that someone in the movie other than the doctor should have nailed this. And it's unfortunate that the movie didn't have either the courage or the smarts to figure that out on its own. Uh, I don't think Laura Dern is very good in the movie. Uh, the only thing I can say about the only thing I liked about this movie was it didn't get as dark as I was fearing it was going to get. I was fearing that it was either going to go the uh, we need to talk about Kevin route, or like I said, there's a baby involved. I was really worried about that baby a lot more than I was worried about this teenager. Uh, the son to me, I absolutely hated this movie. Oh, okay. All right, Steve. <laughs> I mean, I liked it more than Eric. I can promise you that, but I, I still wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, and without, without giving away what or when it is in this film, there's a sequence in the son that's basically like a father's, pure fantasy it's like wishful thinking come to life and i thought it was a really beautiful scene even if it wasn't real it's is it manipulative a hundred percent i didn't care because i think jackman sells 
the shit out of the scene. My problem with the son is the son. I, I hated this kid, Zen McGrath. And I realized we're not supposed to necessarily like him, but I think, and, and even the idea of this film being about depression, we don't really get confirmation of that till the right near the end when they finally take him to a hospital. Because the whole time he just feels like he's being manipulative and conniving. He's like a beast most of the time. Mildly creepy. Yeah, Eric, 100%. That baby. I thought that baby was a goner. Um, yep. and, and thankfully, that's not where they were going with this. But like, if you want me to care about a character's well-being and state of mind, you have to give me something about that person I actually appreciate, if not outright like. Um, and this kid just doesn't. And I don't even think it's the actor's fault necessarily. I think it's just how he was directed to play it. But Jesus, I, I thought the rest of the cast was fantastic, though. I think Dern and Kirby and Jackman are all great. And of course, Hopkins, all great in this. Um, but man, it just this like kid kind of just spoils everything around him, um, except for that one scene I was talking about. It's the one scene where I actually felt like, OK, I care about this kid in this one scene that isn't even is even real. Um, I don't think that's spoiling it. I think we pretty much know it's not real from the get-go. But anyway, it's like, it, I don't know. It just, it seemed like everybody but the people in the movie knew there was something really wrong with this guy. And I realize parents are sometimes blinded to the troubles of their children. But the the kid's name is Nick. Of course he's a problem. Of Why? course he's going to be a huge <laughs> problem. So anyway. <laughs> Heard that my whole life. Anyway. Heard that my whole life. <laughs> Um, anyway, but yes, that's the sun. Well, it, I think I like this. I didn't, I, I, I kind of recommend it. So I liked it a lot more than Eric and maybe a wee bit more than, than Steve. Um, uh -huh. and I think it's because mostly because of the performances, I think every, I think the kid's good in it. Um, I think it's the problem is the way the kid is written and the way, uh, the, the way that the relationship is directed. What you mentioned, Steve, is what I think is the point of the movie is that, Parents, especially even if they're, yeah. a, you know, whether they're uh, step parents or uh, or whether they're actual birth parents, um, always want to assume the best in their child, even if their child is completely fucked up like this kid is. You want to assume that everything is going to be OK. You want to think the best, not the worst. You don't want to worry about the mm -hmm. baby because you don't think you have to. It's your kid. You know what I mean? So I think that's the that's the justification for the way the the adults in this movie act. I think it's to, I think it's totally I, I think there are probably millions of parents who act the way that these parents do, even if this kid, the way he acts in the movie, acts exactly the way he acts in real life. I think a ton of parents would act the same way that Jackman does, that Dern does, and the step parent does. I I absolutely feel, especially if Jackman's character, and I think this is the most important scene in the movie, is raised by a guy like Anthony Hopkins. And that's <laughs> the whole point, the whole reason why Jackman acts the way he acts or is blind to the way his son is really, really troubled is that he grew up with this fucking bastard as a father. And to me, that says everything. That justifies all of their blind behavior is that one scene. And it's the best goddamn scene in the movie. Not just because Anthony Hopkins is in it, and he's amazing, but it's the most brutally honest part of the entire movie. It's an unbelievable scene. When I first watched the movie, I went back and watched that scene again. And it's, it's one of the my best scene in the movie. It's my favorite. It's one of my yeah. favorite scenes of any movie last year is just the two of them in that room and watching Anthony Hopkins just tear the shit out of this guy. And that to me is like, oh, that's why he's so blind to what's going on with this kid. To me, it justifies it. 
Um, and I don't think it's perfect. I think that there are things that you know are going to happen that eventually happen. And like you guys, I agree with you. It takes them forever to finally go, I think this kid needs to be in a hospital. You know what I mean? It takes, <laughs> it yes. takes forever for that to happen. I understand that. But while I was watching it, I was compelled 90% because of the performances. Everybody, I think, is good in this movie. I think Kirby's terrific. Jackman's great. He's always great. Can we just say that Hugh Jackman is like one of the best performers of anything I mean, Jesus Christ, the guy can do everything. He's amazing. He's a very talented dude. He is. Unbelievable. And Laura Dern's great. And again, that scene with Anthony Hopkins, I even think the kid is good. I just think the kid, you know, the, the character is like, God damn, man, shit. You want to you grab him and shake him. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, I didn't hate it as much as you guys did. I, it's definitely flawed. There are definite problems to it, and it builds up to a climax that you, everybody sees coming from frame one. But um, I found more justification in the way that these characters reacted to the sun than you guys did. Um, and I borderline recommend. I, I don't think it's a terrible movie. And if you want to see good performances, it, this movie's filled with them. So I didn't hate it. I agree I, with that. I agree yeah. with that. So yeah. anyway, uh, and that goddamn scene with Hopkins. Oh, man. And if you saw <laughs> Steve, you saw the appearance that Jackman made on, on Colbert. Yeah. Where they yeah, said yeah. that they said that Hopkins was there for just one day and a few hours. And he showed up five hours early at like four o'clock. Yeah. In the morning. And they shot the thing and perfectly. And then he's like, can I have one more take? Just because he wanted to act more. I love that story. I love that. It was story. his first movie out of, out yeah. of quarantine. Yeah. yeah. He hadn't acted in a long time. And, it was, and he kills. He's in one scene. He fucking yeah. he sweeps the floor with everybody. It's like, oh, look at Anthony Hopkins schooling everybody. It's a, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. So actually, I can't not recommend a movie with that scene in it, even if the rest of it was shit. So anyway. All right. All right. Now we're going back to a movie that I kind of recommend a little bit. Uh, John Carpenter, <laughs> you guys are doing some John Carpenter stuff over at the uh, at the music mm-hmm. box. You got a couple of midnight shows. You got They Live in 35 that you're doing at midnight, a couple of nights, Friday and Saturday. You're also doing Escape from New York, one of the greatest movies ever made uh, mm-hmm. uh, at midnight. And But outside of the midnight circuit for Friday and Saturday, you actually have a full wake every day, multiple performances at the music box of one of my favorite movies ever, a 4K new restoration of Assault on Precinct 13, the movie that Carpenter made right before he became the superstar John Carpenter with the release of Halloween. From 1976, you're showing Assault on Precinct 13 at the Music Box. Steve, uh-huh. uh, tell us very quickly uh, yeah. what, Assault, what Assault is about, and then we can just, because it's been around since 1976, so we don't really... Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, right as the movie was... St- when I think of 4K restorations, I think of picture... And when I just as the movie was starting, I was like, oh, I should run up and tell the projectionist to turn it up a little bit. Uh, No. (laughs) And then it started. I'm like, whoa, okay, never mind. (laughs) Yeah. And I forget. I forget that particular projectionist already does that. So anyway, the sound is phenomenal in this. Okay, written, directed, written, directed, scored and edited by John Carpenter two years before Halloween. Uh, Yeah. uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is combined sort of a. I mean, some people have said a night of the living dead aesthetic with like the spirit with us more than the spirit of Rio Bravo. Speaking of Howard Hawks, but, um, but also it forges like a movie, like really at the time, no other. And uh, the story kind of follows a group of of police officers and, and office workers in this closing down police 
precinct, uh, including uh, the guy who's sort of running the the closing of the precinct, Austin Stoker, who just uh, passed the great, away. The mighty, the, the yeah. great Austin Stoker just passed away. Legend. Yeah. So and 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 there's a couple convicts in there for, and they kind of join forces uh, at this police station. And why? Because a guy runs in there running from a gang called Street Thunder. Oh, boy. Um, and and then, <laughs> but they're there to, to kill this guy. Uh, because he killed one of theirs, you know, after he blew away their his daughter. But anyway, um, so they they want him primarily. Although I don't think anyone really figures that out for a while. But um, but by uh, by you know, but eventually it becomes a full on siege, as someone says. And it's a siege. Um, it's a goddamn it's a siege. siege. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's it's you know. Darwin uh, Justin is Napoleon Wilson is Hell is yeah. like to me he sees steals every freaking scene he's in and Hell yeah, man. um but but Lori Zimmer is as the secretary that kind of I think that's what she's like a secretary that works yeah. at the yeah. place that that kind of helps them out a bunch and kind of gives them moral support and then there's a whole bunch of familiar faces like Pfeiffer's and Nancy Lewis and I mean, Kim Richard, right. even the little girl gets blown away. She was probably one of the most famous people in this movie yep. um, at the time. But anyway, so so, yes, I mean, this it's it's beautiful, like cinemascope compositions. And like it, there's some things about it that are like very action gritty, but then some other things that are like more like art house stuff. I mean, it's a really beautiful, artful film. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of shooting and a lot of explosions and. Uh, and I, I just, I just always liked this movie. And, um, and I will say that like, yeah, Nick mentioned the two midnights they live is a very, apparently a pristine 35 millimeter print that was actually made when that movie was new and it got lost in the vaults and never played again after its initial run. Right. Somebody found it and said, okay, I'm going to give this to somebody that'll play it right. And they're giving it to us. That's January 27th and 28th. And then Escape from New York, I believe, is that 4K restoration that we had not that long ago. Uh, That's February 3rd and 4th, all at midnight. But yeah, Assault on Precinct 13 is going to get a is going to get like a couple, two, three shows a day, uh, depending on what day of the week you're there. And um, I I, it was nice to just see it again, basically perfect. So, yes, take advantage of seeing it with people. In an audience, in a theater, so. in a beautiful big yeah, theater. Yeah, that's what it's, I mean. Yeah, it's, this that's is part why, of the perfection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that, you know, like, see, get, that's why I go to movies. That that Monday yeah. morning that you screen this, that's why I go to movies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely why. <laughs> um, uh, Eric, uh, Sultan Precinct 3. Now, you haven't seen the new restoration, but obviously you've seen the film. Correct. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's been too long since I've revisited this movie. Uh, but, I mean, I've seen it, obviously, multiple times. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to, to see any kind of... Any, any, you know, even a scene in a movie where there's a siege sequence or whatnot, or people are trapped behind, you know, and boarded off and whatnot, and not think back to this movie, which obviously, you know, goes back to Rio Bravo's mention and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's like you wish that Carpenter almost made more action movies like this. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's John Carpenter, for God's sakes. Yeah. And this is Carpenter at, you know, I mean, this is just amazing. The thing is, I saw this movie, the first time I saw Sultan Precinct 13 was literally a month after I saw Halloween, which was the movie <laughs> that changed my life. Mm-hmm. I was 13, 13 years old, saw it on opening weekend at the Chicago Theater, and uh, I lost my shit when I saw Halloween. It was the first movie I ever realized what a director did. I looked at his name on the poster, and I was like, oh my God, that's what a director is, and I became John Carpenter fanatic. And I remember my father was looking through the newspaper, and he's like, hey, there's this place on Fullerton 
called Facets. Um, <laughs> and uh, didn't you get? Aren't this John Carpenter guy? We saw this Halloween movie. Did, are you because all you've been saying are the are the words John and Carpenter for the past month? <laughs> well, I saw his name in the ad here, and I guess they're showing this movie called Dark Star and this other movie called Assault on Precinct Thirteen. So I saw Dark Star and Assault on Precinct Thirteen on separate days, like three weeks after I saw Halloween. And, and, and by that point, I was done. You know what I mean? Like, after I saw... Cause I, and I love Dark Star. I thought Dark Star was kind of goofy, and I still love Dark Star. But when I saw Assault on Precinct 13, I'm like, motherfucker. You know what I mean? I was like, God damn, this is the man! You know? So by the time, you know, the, the, the fog came out, I was in front of the Norwich Theater banging on the door going, open up the door now! Because I had seen, you know, Halloween <laughs> and Assault on Precinct... Assault on Precinct 13 is, is a, a, about as perfect a low-budget thriller as you can possibly make. They mm-hmm. made this movie for no money. No money at all. And there are great, the dialogue is often funny and hilarious. And everything that Napoleon Wilson says is like, <laughs> it's all John Wayne, you know, inspired one-liners. Hey, you got to smoke mm-hmm. the whole thing like that. He don't stand <laughs> up as well as he used to. All that fucking shit. It's fantastic. <laughs> and the late, great Darwin Johnson, who died back in 98, who was also uh, uh, featured in The Fog, um, uh, he's fantastic in it, and it's your basic archetypes that you find in, in Rio Bravo, that you find in the Howard Hawks movies, that, that Carpenter would redo a million times. I mean, even Ghost of Mars is, a, is goddamn Rio Bravo. A, yeah. a mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness is Rio Bravo. The Last Third of the Fog is Rio Bravo. I mean, he's upset. The first question, the question I ever asked John Carpenter when I had interviewed him was like, what's the deal with you and Rio Bravo? Because <laughs> you keep making it over and over again. Uh, and that's not an insult. Lori Zimmer, who's fantastic in this. I don't know if you guys know this. There's a documentary called uh, Does Anybody Remember Lori Zimmer? There's an actual documentary about this because she was so fucking great in it. And everybody remembers Nancy Loomis because Nancy Loomis was in Halloween. You know, mm-hmm. and they, they both play friends in it who both work in the pool. Or she's brought in. Nancy Loomis's character is actually brought in. Uh, she doesn't actually work there. She's brought in to help out with the phones uh, as they're closing down the precinct. Uh, but Laurie Zimmer, fantastic uh, in it. And the little sort of romance between her and Napoleon is fantastic. <laughs> I, no one reacts better to being shot in movies ever than she does when she gets shot in the, when she gets shot in the shoulder. It's fantastic. Uh, the way the stuff is staged for no, you know, I mean, and, and the way the plot is. And you often when Kim Richards, who, by the way, uh, you, you know, her, her younger sister would be in Halloween two years later. Like he, you know, like he would work with Kyle Richards. They're, you know, brothers, sisters, and I guess they're now on those Beverly Hills shows. Those uh, wives, yep, the housewives. Okay. I remember her from Hello, Larry. I remember her from the Escape from Witch Mountain movies, from motherfucking Tough Turf. Wow. That's Kim Richards. That's the Kim Richards I remember. Tough and Turf, Meatballs Part Two. Meatballs Two. That's right. You gotta love the Kim Richards. I had a crush on her. She's my age. <laughs> I loved her. Uh, and 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 man, the shit that Carpenter caught caught for shooting her the way he kills her in the movie. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, oh, like not, not only like really like shockingly and bloodily, but like she gets shot through an ice cream cone. Like the kid's like, oh, it's not vanilla. This is vanilla. I wanted vanilla swirl. Boom! And fucking Romero from Escape <laughs> Romero from Escape from New York shoots her ass. So uh, you know, and that's Romero from Escape from New York. Uh, you got to love that Frank, the late great Frank Doubleday, also in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beautifully shot. The cinematography. It was Douglas Knapp. It was right before he started working with Cundy on this movie. Uh, it's one of Carpenter's best scores. He edited it under the name John T. Chance, as if you didn't know it was a a, a salute to John Wayne. <laughs> uh, you know there, and it's it's a classic movie. It's one of Carpenter's best, and the restoration is magnificent. It's magnificent. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It sounds great. It looks great. If you've never seen it, you should get your ass to the music box to see it. If you've seen it, you've never seen it like this. 
in a movie theater. And also, a couple of quick quick things. I always found uh, Martin West's character, the father, to be a little fucking fishy. Uh, are you with me on this? Because, like, you know, when, when Kim Richards is like, we should ask a police officer, he's like, no, uh, I don't think we should. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? And you never really find out, you know, because he's, like, genuinely asking for directions from a friend or, or, or his wife or whatever. But you think maybe he did something wrong. I don't want the cops. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking, this guy did some shit. He's on the run. Maybe he kidnapped the girl. I don't know. So, you, you know, there's something going on, something fishy about how paranoid he is about cops. And also, the movie's called Assault on Precinct 13, but if you listen, it's Precinct 9 in District 13. <laughs> so it's pre- in the movie, like over the phone, you yeah. know, over the, over the PA, or the, I'm sorry, the, the, the CB, they're like, yeah, go to District 9, or I'm sorry, go to a, a Precinct 9 in District 13. He's like, isn't that shutting down? And then... Some of the exteriors, the outside of the, pre- the precinct says District 14. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little inconsistent in that. And just keep in mind that it took like eight days to shoot this movie. So just know that mm-hmm. ahead of time. It's like if we, got, we have to shoot outside, if it's District 14, we can't fix it in post. It's District 14 <laughs> and people will forget. So anyway, I think Assault on Precinct 13 sounds better than Assault on Precinct 9, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I think yeah. that's it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, Assault on Precinct 13, 4K restoration, the way it was meant to be seen, it'll take you right back to 1976. Uh, and the late, great Austin Stoker, who, by the way, at that point, 1976, Austin Stoker had been in some fucking fantastic, legendary black exploitation movies um, that you know I saw in the grindhouses, and I recognized him right away at Facets. I didn't know his name. But as soon as he mm-hmm. showed up, it's a siege. It's a goddamn siege. I was like, oh, that's Austin Stoker. <laughs> Seen him in 18 million movies. So, But great stuff. All right. Uh, what do we got next time uh, we get together? We've now got we got the Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> yeah, Knock at the Cabin, which is Shamalama Ding Dong's new movie. Uh, and then a, a whole bunch of old ladies who want to bang Tom Brady. Correct. Uh, and and, uh, and, uh, and I guess that's and it. And a likely Oscar nominee in Close. Uh, close, we'll right, find yes. Out next week. Yeah. yeah, we've only been talking about that one since September, mm-hmm. but okay. All yeah. right, uh, Eric, uh, Steve, thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you next time. All right, there you Sounds go. Sounds good. All right, guys, take care. There's uh, Eric, there's Steve, and those are the movies. Let's talk to Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Time to say hello to Esmeralda, Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, had good. a lot of fun. Was that your cat? <laughs> yeah, he's outside. He's a little oh, sad. Oh, no. Oh, poor little dude. He's just, he's like, why? Are, how long are you going to be? He's going to be. Right. <laughs> he's like, I have an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very important. Don't you realize that I am the priority. I am a cat. I am the priority. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, just a, a, a quick wrap up. How much fun was uh, was Tuesday night at Zanies? Yeah, that was so great. It was so much fun. Um, Zanies in Rosemont is now hosting us once a month. That's actually a thing now. It's yes. official. 
Um, and uh, it was great. We had a really good crowd. Um, you know, we passed out a bunch of crazy uh, fun candy. Um, we uh, we did some trivia and gave away some really cool prizes, including swag like Nick D podcast coffee mugs and Nick D mm-hmm. podcast T-shirts and gift cards from gift uh, from apt electronics and i gave away an avatar temporary tattoo yes <laughs> the highlight of the prizes that, i would yeah, say that was the big prize right there the uh and um and uh, my dad killed again telling a little mm, couple of couple of, of bluish jokes at the end yeah they're great. And, and how cool and how hilarious is Dwayne kennedy he's so good yeah. he was amazing yeah. loved him he was so funny and told so many great stories about how he played Holly Berry's boyfriend on an episode of 227 and his ongoing feud with Stoney Jackson. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, great guy. And, and it was just, it was blast all the way around. And uh, we're going to do it, you know, uh, I talked to the folks at Zany's and we're going to do it every, every month. It'll be on a Tuesday. And the next one, unfortunately, you're out of town, Esmeralda. Yes. We, we, we I will not be in town. The date that they offered to us, you will, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Mexico. Ah, cool. Well, that's fun. Who are you going with? Are you going with the family or just uh, you and Colin? Uh, just some friends. Oh, some friends. Oh, that's cool. Very, very cool. This time, though, are you going to have to do a COVID test in and out like the last time? No. No, no they No more? They stopped doing yeah. that? Okay. Okay. You had fun, though, the last time, right? Even though the, even though like uh, there was a possibility of the COVID? Yeah. No, it was a good time. Cool. All right. Well, you're going to be gone. Uh, it's February 21st, Tuesday, February 21st. Tickets are on sale right now. You can go to rosemont.zanies.com. Esmeralda will not be there, but Amy Guth is going to sit in, Esmeralda. Nice. I got Amy Guth uh, to Very be, good replacement. She's going to be uh, sitting in your seat. Won't be the same. Won't be as good. I guarantee that because you're Esmeralda and you rule the planet and I love you. Um, but I'm going to have... I have to have a... You see, the thing is, like, if I'm up there alone and there's not a smart woman next to me, it's just going to suck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I need That's a smart, usually uh, I, par for the course for anybody, I, I, any male. <laughs> Sorry. But. I, no, I, I'm not arguing that with you. I'm not going to argue that. Uh, but, yeah, I need a smart woman next to me to make me look like I'm not as, as big a dickhead as I am. So, uh, But anyway, so Amy's going to sit in. It won't be the same, but um, we will have Amy filling in, and we'll have a special surprise guest, and we'll do all the fun stuff that we um, normally do. And, again, it'll be Tuesday, uh, February 21st, and you'll be back in March. You'll be back for the March. Mm-hmm. Yep. Edition, which is going to be on March 21st, one month later. Which, by the way, that night, Esmeralda, March 21st, mm-hmm. that's my mom's birthday. Oh, well, so look we, at that. We can celebrate my mom's birthday at Zany's that that's night. That's nice. Anyway. But anyway, thank you so much for coming out. If you came out, fantastic. If you didn't, please come out on February 21st. It'll be me and Amy Guth, a special surprise guest, and a lot of fun and a live recording of the podcast. We had a little issue with the tech of mm-hmm. uh, the, we had a little tech issue with the recording of the last episode, so that's why it didn't, or the last uh, live, ver, live live thing Tuesday night, so that's why it didn't become an episode. We'll try and fix that in between to make sure that the the February episode goes up. So anyway, all right. Well, welcome. Any plans for the weekend as we get closer and closer? Anything going on? Um, I think right now we're just uh, gonna be. I know the weather's gonna be kind of funky, so yeah, just stay at home. You've been streaming anything lately? Watching any uh, any any stuff? Oh, uh, we just watched uh, the first episode of The Last of Us. I haven't watched on it HBO yet. Max. I haven't watched it. What'd you think? It was great. We really liked it. Um, now, are you familiar Colin with the video played, game? Yeah, okay. Colin has played the video game, so he. I played a little bit of it, but not enough to know like small things about it. Yeah. Um, but Colin, yeah, Colin has played it, so he was pretty amazed. 
um, just the level of storytelling and everything that they put into it was yeah. really good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Dan Feinberg, our TV guy, he lo- he liked it very much as well. Um, he says it really kicks in at episode three. He says that's when it really kicks Ooh, in. Okay. Um, um, but I, I have never played the video game. I didn't know it was a video game. I mean, listen, I, the last video game that I played was Galaga. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've never had, uh, a, a gaming, what do you, what do you call them? Unit? What do you call mm-hmm. Whatever. A uh, console. I console. Think. Thank you. I've never had one except for Pong in the seventies. And I'm not kidding. I've never, ever had them. So I'm not familiar with the game, but I like, like, uh, zombies. So, yeah. You know, um, and I got it. I just haven't. I think I'll watch it today. I think I will watch it today. Um, I, I just haven't because I have that, and I have to watch the second episode of the. The I don't know why I have to, but the Mayfair Witches. Um, mm, okay. Which is not very good. I watched the first episode, and I love <laughs> Alexandra Daddario very much. I think she's terrific and also unbelievably attractive. Um, but and but I'm a huge Anne Rice fan, and and I I, I didn't like the first episode, but because. I like Anne Rice a lot. I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had those. I, I don't know why I've been putting Well, you know, off. sometimes they take time. So who knows? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But boy, the first episode was really disappointing of Mayfair Witches. But I'm glad to hear that you liked uh, the, the, the Last of Us. And I've been hearing nothing yeah, but good, good things, especially from people who like the video game. A lot of the people, because that's a, from what I understand, and, and I'm sure that you know this, uh, man, that video game is unbelievably popular. Like it's got a huge, intense, yeah. intense following, right? It's supposed to be like one of the best uh, video games storytelling wise, right? Um, in terms of like the cutscenes and everything, and 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 all the essentially the thought that went into it. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be a lot. So the fact that they did now do the series, and then the series has apparently people from the um, from the video game in terms of like behind the scenes people creators and things like that so yeah it's not just just a carbon copy thing that they decided to do yeah some cash grab it's like they've actually yeah they actually thought about it and and care and it, <laughs> no that's what i've heard and i've heard nothing but good things about it. i'm excited to watch it and um and also uh just uh, like popularity wise it broke all kinds of hbo max records like ev- yeah. everybody watched it everybody did so, uh, okay. So a thumbs up from you and Colin then on the first episode? Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Awesome. All right, cool. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Hi, Carrie. I'm Carrie Hi. Russell, and I love Nick's show. Oh, she has a sign that says cocaine bear is better than The Last of Us. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Uh-oh. Don't get mad, Carrie. Sorry, Carrie. Different, uh, different things. It is completely different. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, uh, all right, that's something to uh, to look forward to. Uh, did you do this at all while watching it? Ow! Did that happen at all? Not really. No, there wasn't too much. There was a little bit of stuff. It, it, it's it's a lot more of like a <laughs> type of a right. At least for that first episode. I think what Dan was referring because I think Dan has seen the first five episodes or something like that because he oh, okay yeah I mean, they're a, they're putting them out week by week so. yeah no he and he's a you know Hollywood reporter he's a critic so he gets to see he gets it's for reviewing purposes right I, I think he's seen five or six I don't know how many there are but he gets to see a chunk of them at a time 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he re- when we talk about it and he reviews it, he gets to talk about a lot more of the episodes than we've seen. So we get a lot of preview stuff from him. And I think the reason why he told me specifically that episode three is where it really kicks in is because that's when the zombie shit really happens. Mm, okay. And he and for my purposes, he's like, you'll like episode three. I guess because the third <laughs> episode, some zombie, some serious zombie shit happens. And he's like, you'll like that, Nick. You're a dummy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, there you go. Something to, play, to look forward to. To placate the zombie shit that I love. You know what I mean? He's like, yes, episode three has more zombie stuff in it. You know, so you don't have to worry about little things like acting and the relationship between the kid and the guy. So, you know, all right. Anyway. Okay, cool. So the magic megaphone, we gave away a megaphone, which we will do we again. Did. Every month we will be giving away an actual magic megaphone. Um, and we gave away a megaphone. And, and remember who we gave it away to, Esmeralda? To your, uh, well, not even girlfriend. It wasn't my girlfriend. No, never my girlfriend. But the girl I, <laughs> the girl that I pined for, mm-hmm. and loved all four years of high school. She was there our first show, and she was there there this show. And she yeah. told me she's she's coming to every show. Um, nice. But but she she won the magic megaphone. But we 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 do have the magic megaphone, which of course is this thing that uh, again has become a very popular segment on the podcast. Where you tell me, you, the listener, the subscriber, tell me whatever you want me to say into the magic megaphone. It gets translated into magic, hits the ether, and it could be a joke or an inside joke or a code or something you want me to say or a movie line or whatever. And I'll say it. I'm a monkey. I'll say it. Uh, leave me the instructions in an email. Nick D at uh, Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Or again, leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948. So we have a magic megaphone message. Esmeralda, are you ready? Yes. I will play it, and then I will read the email that explains it, as we often do. Okay, are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Now I know. If you know, you know. Yeah, man. Now I know. If you know, you know. Yeah, man. So, um... Now I know. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah, man. So... Now I know. All right. Wow. So, <laughs> Uh, this this is a very strange one that I, I have to, but that's what it is. It's now, now I know. If you know, you know. Yeah, man, is what this person wanted me to say. Mm-hmm. And this is from Natalie, um, who says, "Hey, the title of the the title of the subject line reads: Speaking of boats, as we were on the last episode, Esmeralda, mm-hmm. we were talking about boats and how you are a, a, a seasick person." Um that you don't like the boats because you get kind of sick on them. Uh, and the difference between like riding on those bumpy kind of boats and like, uh, you know, the uh, Odyssey and stuff like that. That's what we were talking about. And, uh, and my, my buddy Joe saying, only acting Mayor Eugene Sawyer. That, <laughs> that whole thing. But uh, her name is Natalie, who, are, who requested that. She says, you guys were talking about boats and I have a story. I was on a Formula Speed boat, a 1,000 HP boat. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means, Esmeralda? 1,000 No clue, but it sounds fast. (laughs) It sounds like something you and I would not want to be on. Yeah, it sounds uncomfortable. (laughs) It really does, doesn't it? I mean, just the 1,000 HP boat. That doesn't sound enticing Mm. at all to me. Yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) It says, yeah, I am not a boat person. Uh, Just took a short ride with a friend and my family on the Sarasota Bay. Truthfully, I couldn't wait to get off the damn thing. What people see in this activity is beyond me. The wind slapping your face the whole time. Yeah, that's fun. 
I chose to ride back in an SUV instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, well, at least I got to try that experience. So now I know. I know. So that's what she want. That's why she wanted me to say, now I know. If you know, you know. Yeah, man. Mm. So she had such a miserable experience on the 1,000 HP boat, she took an SUV back. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious which one was faster or the same. Or the, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Who knows? I guess we she got, didn't care. She was like, I will uh, take as I long as I want. <laughs> yeah. I don't want the wind slapping in my face the whole time, bouncing up and down. Not fun. Not fun. And then Natalie says, uh, uh, P.S. I would have loved to have known your buddy Joe. The stories you tell of him sounded like he was the coolest guy to hang out with. Uh, great memories for you. And then she says, I'm going to check out your show on the 17th. So Natalie was there um, at, uh, at Zany's, at Rosemont. On nice. Tuesday. So, but yeah, my friend Joe, uh, you've heard the stories. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he, was, he was a lovely, crazy dude. So anyway. So that's, that was this week's, uh, um, or this episode's Magic Megaphone. Very good. So, and yes, I think you and I would both, I would opt for the SUV on the way back as well. Yeah. There's, uh, especially like if it's more than five minutes or so. Yeah. I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> no, that, I don't want to risk it. I'd rather be on land. I agree. And I, and I think that sounded like more than five minutes. It sounded like she was miserable for a lot longer than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with her. I'd yeah. be in the SUV. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and, and, and I don't need this. Ah! That's a, it's another thing that might happen. You could fall out of the, yeah, you could fall out of the boat. <laughs> if it's going fast enough. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, I don't get, but there are a lot of people out there who love the boats. I don't know. Yeah, there's lots of boat people. There are. <laughs> that, yeah, they try to find, they either have a boat or they try to find people with boats. And Especially for always- the summer. So I was like naming a boat. You got to name the boat, you know, uh, after like your your wife or something. Right. If you're, if you're a rich guy, you got to name the boat. So I don't know. I don't know. I I always picture like uh, most people who own boats. I always picture like Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack when he runs over Ted Knight's boat. I'm sure most of them do look like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, not a boat guy. I don't know. And again, we've we've both seen Triangle of Sadness, and that's the truth. I think that's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that second part of that movie where people are shitting and puking everywhere. It's like, yeah, ah. it's like that's exactly why I don't get on boats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a big summertime guy anyway. I don't like the I don't like the beach sand up your ass when you get home. But sand is everywhere. Uh, it's not a. I don't know. I'm just grumpy all the time when it comes to, in the summer. And that's when you. Well, we live on a lake too. So mm-hmm. there's, a lot, there's a lot of boats you can take. Yeah, we yeah we, the the lake gets covered in boats when it's amazing. It gets right? slightly warm. And my least favorite weekend of the year is the Air and Water Show. I hate. Oof, yeah, that's water. that's rife with boats. Rife with boats and jagoffs and planes like making noise. You know what I mean? Like when the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the like the uh, the Blue Angels flying around scaring the shit out of dogs and stuff. I don't need that in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a very annoying weekend where it is. I, yeah. you can get away, get away. Yeah, I mean, you know, the closer you live to the lake, the worse it is. I don't live as close to the lake as I used to, and you can still hear them. But oh when yeah. I, when when I lived like eight blocks away from the lake or seven, like five five blocks away from the lake, it was ridiculous. 
absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. And if you're working yeah. in a high if you're working in a high rise downtown, that Thursday and Friday leading up is ridiculous. Oh, and yeah, no, they're like right they're right at the windows. Yeah. God, and then sometimes they would buzz Wrigley Field like during a game. You're watching a game and a pitcher's about to pitch. All of a sudden, yo! You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I always forget that it's that weekend until I start, and I because I hear those noises and I'm like, what is that? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. That's, that's the thing, right? No, that's the thing, Esmeralda. That's what's scary about it. Like you hear it and go, "Are we under attack?" Because you forget, you know, <laughs> you know, like you, you forget that like it's that weekend. Yeah, and then suddenly you think it's the end of the world. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you go, no, it's just the air and water show. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the annoying bullshit air and water show. I hate that. I hate it. You know, I told you that my, my buddy Matt used to drive the water taxis um, from, like, the uh, from like the Michigan Avenue Bridge or some of the other bridges to Navy Pier. Mm. Mm-hmm. He used to drive the water taxis, and he would make shit up about architecture. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> and build, you know. And, bu- and buildings and stuff. It's not going to harm anybody, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like this, this building right here on the left was uh, designed by Joe Pepitone in 1912. You know what I mean? Like he'd make shit up, yeah. And then like, people would get off the boat and go, "Oh, that was fascinating." And like they'll go back home and go, "We just learned that Joe Pepitone designed the Wrigley Building." You know, and they'd be like, like "What?" <laughs> if anything, it's like a a funny for him to think about the yeah. people then uh, spouting out all these ridiculous things because it could go either way. Of like anybody listening is like, "Oh, really? That's interesting." Or you're an idiot yeah that's not you, what it is yeah or you're full of shit like you could always tell when the chicagoans are on the boat because mm-hmm. like he would do it and like he'd do something maybe the maybe the, the chicagoans would go dude shut up you know what i mean like quit lying <laughs> yeah you're so full of shit but like he would get so bored and you know it was only obviously it was only a summertime gig and he was an actor you know and he was bored and you know actors tend to bullshit <laughs> right so, so that's what he did that's how he got through it and man, was he sunburned. We were we were doing a show that one of the summers, 1997, I remember he was doing it then. And uh, I had directed this show that he co-wrote and he was in, my buddy Matt. And he would show up uh, for, for a performance and be like sunburned. Because he's like, a, his last name is O'Neill, so he's white. His skin yeah, is, you, you know what I mean? wear sunscreen. Yeah, and he would come in like, like we, he, we would not need to light him on the stage for those oh, performances. Like, he was he just, just glowing. <laughs> <laughs> radioactively yeah. glowing how do you do in the sun esmeralda i do very well yeah i i, I mine's not i'm not so bad either i um uh, i mean you wear the sunscreen and stuff like that but i've never oh, been of pr- course i've never been prone to uh to horrible you know like sunburn. i've had sunburn in the in the past because sitting out yeah. and stuff like that but not to the point where like you you know the 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 sort of pasty skinned people i feel really bad for sometimes yeah they usually have to hide yeah. Uh, not just sunscreen. Like, they're hiding under hats and... Big hats. Yeah. Very big hats. <laughs> long sleeve if they can help it, which right. I feel bad because it's like it's summer and warm and... Yeah. Yeah. That's never been a problem uh, for me. I Obviously, it's never been a problem for you, this, the, the, the sun. It's, it's just we're blessed with that kind of skin and that kind of pigment where we don't... Uh, it's, it's not fun to have... I, I, the only place I really get it... If I'm out in the sun, because again, I'm not a summer guy. I get it around the nose and eyes, that nose area. Mm, that's mm-hmm. the worst. That's the worst. Is where I get it the worst. So, and that you ever have the big? You ever you get sunburn where you have to like pull off chunks of skin? The pe- the peeling thing. Oh lord. 
Not really, no. Yeah. <laughs> it only happened to me one time. Just one time. I won't tell you one because it involves this fa- the family vacation with my ex-girlfriend mm. who, was, who was 22. <laughs> so then, yes, you deserved it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always felt like that. That's karma. <laughs> yeah, that's karma. There that's it is. karma hitting you there. there exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, hey. You know, we are in the middle. We're talking about summer and skin peeling and sunburns and stuff like that. But we are like it's January. And although we have knock wood, we haven't had a ton of snow. Um, right. And it's not been extraordinarily cold either. It's been a pretty cool winter. Uh, not well, cool, but I mean, fun, kind of mild ish. And I don't want to curse it. But we, that, explain what's going on with this snow plow, this, the snow plow name thing, because I find this endlessly entertaining. Right. Well, the city of Chicago has decided to get a plow named, and they've chosen the yeah. people, the public, right. to name it. So they did. So this is their first time doing it. It's the first annual You Name a Snow Plow contest. We'll see if they keep doing it. <laughs> right. Um. I have seen the names though, and they don't seem too bad. They're not as, um, or you know, there are some bad, and they just chose, you know, they're not going to uh, put those up. Yeah. Um. But so there was some parameters. It was uh the name. So you, you got to name a snowplow. The submissions were limited to fifty characters in length, um, and. So you have until well, actually, it's already closed. Oh no! So it was the 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 rule was January sixth. Okay. That was going to be the rule, or when the city received twenty thousand submissions, whichever okay. came first. And as of and, today, which is the the twentieth of uh, February, or I'm sorry, yeah. January. Jesus Christ, I'm jumping ahead already. January twentieth. Do they not have enough submissions? Is the no, they did. Open? They had they have oh. more than they have okay. more than four dozen finalists that have been chosen. Okay, and now we can all vote. Residents can vote uh, up to six names of their choice by January thirty first. And I have the list of the fifty. Yeah. So they. So they. I mean, good for us participating in things. Right. <laughs> So once the winning names are chosen, residents will be able to view the named snowplows along the city's full snow fleet. Now, will so they have like? Are they going to? Are they going to slap the name on the side of the snowplow so we know, like, when it's passing by? Hey, there's the blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they're are. Gonna they're going to have it on the side of the. On the they're going to name it on the side as it's like physically driving down the road. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, what are some of the ones that now I just have the list of 50, but now we have finalists, right? Do you have the list of the finalists? Um, I, those are the, the finalists. Oh, the, the 50. 50. Oh, they yes. are. Okay, so well, let's go through some of these. Um, Austin Plowers. Well, obviously, you know, a take on Austin Powers, see? Yes. Yeah, um, I like that they're all, they all are for the most part. Um, Punny. What do you call it? Yes, punny. punny. Yeah, they are punny. So that's good. You know, that yeah. means we're creative people here in Chicago. Well, good I mean, as as we're going to talk about after we talk about, uh, you know, after after we discuss this, the pl- the naming of the plow and what what do you think should be the plow name? What do you think your cat? What's what do you, what's your cat say? <laughs> he has an opinion too. Yeah, clearly. No one cares about your opinion, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Jake wants to vote for BB Plow King. Yeah, that's what, he's that's a what... huge blues fan. <laughs> he actually knows BB King, so ah, I see. So it's yeah. a BB Plow King is his choice. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jake's choice would be BB Plow King. Or uh, Bean There Plowed That. Yeah. No. That's okay. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, I guess you have to throw in the bean. Is it, do you have to do that every time you mention Chicago? Does that have to be thrown right. in? Right. I do enjoy, I do enjoy the ones that are a little, um, they're of the time. What, what do you think? What, give me some so examples. So like Better Call Salt. <laughs> That's good. So, you That's know, like good. once, once, you know, the, the, in the future, once they talk about this at some point, they'll be like, and they had, you know. We'll know little, the time frame. Uh, we'll be able to time frame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That It'll was be like a little but, um, one yeah. of those boxes you bury. That's got for it. the future. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Chance the Scraper instead of mm-hmm. Rapper. But wouldn't it be Scrapper? Because it's got a rhyme. Uh, yeah, you would think, but I yeah. guess not. Okay. <laughs> Bozo the Snowplow. That's not very inventive. But again, you know, Bozo. That's a huge okay. thing with us. That's, that's totally Chicago. Da Plow. Of course. See, that mm-hmm. reinforces all the Chicago stereotypes that uh, SNL gave to us. Yeah. I'm actually, by the way, I'm actually going to do an entire episode dedicated to super fans of oh, my podcast. Oh, nice. Uh, an entire episode. Um, Ferris Blizzard's Day Off. Mm. God, I hate that I'm sure you so will much. not enjoy that one, right? I'm not voting for that one. <laughs> uh, do, any, uh, do, do any of them that you've looked at, Esmeralda, what, what are some of your favorites? Which ones would probably get your vote if you were going to vote? I like Jean-Baptiste Point du Shovel. <laughs> I enjoy that one. That is good. It sounds. It sounds. I, um, you know, yeah. it's after Du Sable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do enjoy how it sounds very fancy. That's really good. I like that one a lot too. Um, uh, Salter Payton. That's good. It's also a good one. That's I a enjoy. good one. Salter Payton, because you got Sammy him. Snosa. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the I like the name name puns. Because there's a couple, there's there's plenty that are, you know, just uh, so there's like Sleet Home Chicago. Yeah. The Plowmanate. Like, I, I want the one Super Bowl Shovel. Like, I want the ones that are names. Yeah. Like uh, Plowcaso. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, Plow Winfrey. <laughs> I'm such a two year old. I find all these hilarious. These are great. I um, I, I'm proud of the people of Chicago and their creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ludwig Mies Vandersnow. <laughs> I like but... that, that they put the whole name. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little, so look at, you're learning things. Oh, how about this one? Little Dibby. I like that. What Little is that? Dibby. What it dibs. It's a reference to dibs. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I hate dibs. I, I'm I'm one of these people, and I, I and I know yeah. that like people are always like, "Oh, you don't drive. You shouldn't have an opinion on that." And I'm like, "Fuck you." I drove for many years. Um, I think dibs are the dumbest thing ever, and I think yeah, I think that it every year, you know, when they show pictures of people who put dining room sets and chairs mm-hmm. into. But it makes and, and and when that makes the news nationwide, it makes this city look like we're a bunch of dipshits. It really wow. does. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I hate We have dibs. many facets, this but city. I ha- yeah, and, and you're either pro-dib or you're anti-dib, and I am anti-dib. And when I drove, I have, listen, let me tell you something. You know, uh, I haven't driven in a very, very long time, but I have dug out thousands of parking spots. You know what I mean? I have shoveled mm-hmm. out thousands. And in fact, my parents drive, and I dig them out every year. Like, I don't want my, you know, I don't want my, my parents to be digging it out. They're, like, old. 
Right. So I've just dug out, like every winter now, I still dig out uh, uh, spots. And I would never put anything in that spot. It's just the fucking stupidest thing. I think it's one of the, it's, it, it's one of the things that makes Chicago look goddamn dumb. I just think and it's, it's weird that we're like the only ones that do that. It's a, it's very, it's an old <laughs> because I don't know what I don't know what it is. It, like in Chicago, you know, I I I I, don't, I I just don't I don't understand it. I uh, and yet it's a point of pride for people. Yeah, I dug out that thing, and that's like saying, you know what, Esmeralda? It's like saying, hey, you know what? It's man, oh man, it is a hundred degrees out, and I got a spot right in front of my apartment. I don't feel like walking eight blocks in this heat, so I'm gonna put. It's the same thing. I'm going to put a couch there. I'm going to put some chairs yeah. there when I leave I mean, because I have it's hot seen, out. I have seen people putting stuff out sometimes, even when it's it hasn't snowed yet. And it's um, I've seen people put stuff out and it's like, no, that's not how this works. And yeah. I think that's the only time that people are allowed to like move the stuff without well, some there, kind of there's a, revenge. <laughs> there is a thing. There's Now we've actually gotten, I don't know if it's an actual on the books law, but there's like an uh, an unspoken rule where the city will give you maybe two weeks after a snowfall, mm-hmm. and then the city will drive down and just the garbage trucks will pick up your shit and throw it away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if someone does, and the other thing is the thing that makes me crazy about this: if some dipshit does put lawn furniture out, and then someone has the balls to move it and park in that spot, that that you can you can expect that car to be demolished. You can expect the tires to be slashed, the windows oh, to be yeah. bashed in. And it's, it's unacceptable. It's fucking ridiculous. It makes us look like a bunch of morons. So dibs, sorry, if you practice dibs, you're an idiot. And that's, that's a fact. That's not an opinion. It's ridiculous. I, one time a friend of mine uh, parked in someone's spot that they had dug out. Mm-hmm. And, and the person brought out um, a hose, and it was like 30 below, and hosed the whole, oh, boy. The whole car, with, with, covered the whole car with, with, uh, with, with water. Yikes. frozen all over you couldn't get in the car the key couldn't go in you know just because he that took was yeah that was just now there although it'd be like jokes on you now i can't move my car <laughs> <laughs> so now the that's spot's true. mine this, this spot's mine till it thaws out motherfucker that's right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of you know that that's that's the kind of acceptable behavior it's okay to fuck with someone's car if they park mm-hmm. because you dug out the spot shut up Dibs are the it's the worst. I hate it. You're an idiot if you if you practice and pro, and if you are pro dibs. So I vote no on little dibby, although it's a very clever yeah. name. I it's like a, it. It sounds like it's a a thing. Like you'd like you would put a face on the snowplow. Yeah. We could be like, here comes little dibby. Yeah. But you could and actually And it's just like a big smiley face, Google eyes. Maybe if you just put maybe they can actually put little Debbie, but with a snow hat or a scarf on. Oh, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, really, just do the actual Little Debbie. So, I don't know. Now, this is not the first time that people have been uh, invited to vote and name stuff. Oh, no. I mean, we just, we, earlier this year, or no, last year. (laughs) Last year, 2022. um, We had the, they voted for the, the word, the word of the year. Right. Which, again, I don't think... I don't think we should leave that up to public, but right. <laughs> right. And I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, yeah, I forget what it was, but it was something stupid, it, very stupid. But <laughs> but that but that. And then you also brought up Bodie McBoatface. Yes. Oh, uh, Goblin Mode. By the way, that's right. Goblin Mode was word yes. of the year. That's right. Goblin Mode voted. So stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah, allowing the public to vote is always a problem because the public, for the most part, hey, the public, for the most part, likes dibs. So that pretty much tells you. Right. Um, but now, but we have uh, some names here that I, I sent you a thing where they, they have like actual names. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, Mr. Splashy Pants was the, was the name of a humpback whale in 2007. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very similar to, although that is an animal, I would have hoped to have given it a better name. Than Mr. Um, Splashy Pants? But it's it's similar to, like, you know, the names for the snowplow. It is. I can't hate it too much. I enjoy the, I enjoy, I also like that it's formal. It's Mr. Yeah. (laughs) You pay, you you pay respects to the whale. Yeah. (laughs) All right, how about this? In 2009, Kraft had the bright idea to crowdsource the name of a new flavor of Vegemite. Oh no! Um, also, I don't. Well, I don't enjoy how they did this. So it's cheesy bite. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that they spelled it C H E E S Y B I T E rather than C H E E S I E. Okay. B I T E. I don't well, like it. <laughs> my question is, did they change what Vegemite was because Vegemite's not cheesy at all? So did they? Um, I mean, well, no, I guess for them it is cheesy. <laughs> it's not. Oh, cheesy because it's not cheesy in what sense? Cheesy because it's. I think it just has the illusion of of cheesy. It, there is no fucking cheesy illusion to. Have you ever had? Have you ever had Vegemite as well? I have not. <laughs> it's as far from tasty or cheesy as you can goddamn get. Right. Well, it's, according to this, so ma- a lot of cheese spread eaters got mad. Well, they should. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the other ones? Some oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. No, they got mad with, because um, first off, they chose iSnack 2.0, and then they were happy. They wanted Cheesy Bite. Oh, I see. Interesting. Well, apparently they think it's cheesy. It's not cheesy. It's not it's not edible. I don't <laughs> It's just it's awful. I mean, I don't even I I don't even know. I mean, not even, you know, men at work make fun of it. You know what I mean? In their right. song. It's not good. And there's no it doesn't resemble cheese. At, well, you know, I mean, you know, like I mean, that's that's a, you know, again, what's really cheesy cuz you know, like cheese whiz and and um and the spray cheese, uh, mm-hmm. easy, easy cheese. That's not really cheese. That's, you know, it's, it's fake. Right. But, fake chemical. Yeah. Like and that's cheese. another thing. Another thing that makes me crazy about the Blues Brothers. Another reason I, that it makes me crazy about the Blues Brothers, because there's that scene in the Blues Brothers where it's like, you get my cheese whiz, boy. And then Dan Aykroyd tosses easy cheese to the guy. <laughs> And I, get so, and I get so mad. I get so, I'm like, that's not fucking cheese. That's not cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz is in the jar. You use, a, you use a knife to spread cheese Whiz. It's in a jar. Easy cheese is a spray cheese. That's not cheese mm-hmm. Whiz. Another reason why Blues Brothers sucks. <laughs> it's not cheese Whiz. That's easy cheese, goddammit. Get it right, John Landis and, John, and Dan Aykroyd, if you're going to write that. <laughs> so, uh, what are some of the other ones here? Uh, and then, the, uh, so this is, this one, 
this contest is the exact reason why I don't think people <laughs> should get to vote for things. Okay. Mountain Dew's 2012 <laughs> Dub the Dew, the uh, first choice that you could vote on on the top 10 leaderboard was Hitler did nothing. <laughs> no, Hitler did nothing wrong. Oh, sorry. Yes. Hitler did nothing wrong. Number two was Gushing Granny. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get the public in there to vote. Have them name stuff. Yeah. It's exactly dub the dew. Why. It was it was to dub the mm. new flavor of Mountain Dew. And someone yeah. said the number one on the leaderboard was Hitler did nothing wrong. Yeah. Lots of <laughs> lots of granny names. Granny's squirt, gushing granny, gushing grannies. Yeah. Oh man. How about Gushing Granny? Gushing Granny. I mean, you know, and you know, like the the Mountain Dew fans are all hyped up on Go Go Juice anyway. They're all yeah, man. Oh yeah, gushing, gushing granny, man, gushing granny, and they're running around the house. It's like, sit down for a couple of seconds. You know, when I worked uh, on the overnight crew at the Jewels many, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. there was a guy who would drink during our eight hour shift. We worked eleven p.m. to seven a.m. Okay, um, and you know, you've worked overnights. Mm-hmm. This guy would drink an entire two liter of Jolt. Oof. <laughs> entire two liter. He'd have a in the aisles while he was putting st- putting stock away and stuff. And yeah, you know, there would be a, a he would open at the beginning at eleven o'clock every night. He would open a two liter bottle of Jolt by seven a.m. It would be empty. Yikes! <laughs> Ugh. I hate to see that guy's insides. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and then we'd go drinking. You know what I mean? Like afterwards, because oh, you know we'd we'd go drinking at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. And well, have... and he's hopped up on Jolt. Oh yeah. And he could be, yeah, but I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying. I'm like, okay. You know. <laughs> um, how about this one? There was an actual guy named Harry Balls, B A A L S. He was a mayor of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um. So they had a they wanted to name a building after him, mm-hmm. I guess in 2011. So Fort Wayne was like, "Wait a minute, you can't name the building Harry Balls." <laughs> it's like that's my father's name, <laughs> the Balls tradition. Yeah. I don't know, and it's but it's spelled Harry H A R R Y, right? I you would you would hope that he would have at least been like, no, it's pronounced Bales. Yeah, Balls. No. <laughs> It's balls. It's balls. It's Harry Balls. My name is Harry Balls. It's not only my name, but I have them. Also, I, sometimes <laughs> when I hear these things, I'm just like, what is wrong with the parents? Like, did yeah. they not? Your last name is Balls. You don't name them like Harry. You don't name them, you They're know. not listen his... through? Just yeah. say it a couple times and yeah, think you don't about name it, them, no? You know, first and middle name, shave my. You don't do that. Right. Just, you know, or lick nobody, my. You know, nobody that's... thought about it? Yeah. Harry Balls. Could you imagine living your life named Harry Balls? Mm. Oh, so. We should ask. Well, he's dead. He's I'm dead. Sure. Yeah, he died a long time ago. But there is. <laughs> I, we have what we need to do is contact some people in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to see if there is that. If the building, I don't even know if there was that. Does it say here in the article whether or not there actually is a building called Harry Ball? <laughs> no, <laughs> they Harry uh, opted instead to name the building Citizens Square. <laughs> oh, I like Harry Balls better. So yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you like wouldn't you like Harry Balls better? As for, as for I mean, how often have you been asked that question, Hasbro? Don't you like Harry Balls better? I'm sure he was a lovely man. Ask Jake if he likes Harry Balls better. 
Does Jake have balls or are his gone? He does not. Oh, poor Jake. But he's upset. How come he's not crying right now talking about, I wish I had hairy balls? I guess he he doesn't care. <laughs> he's lived so long without them. He's fine. <laughs> He didn't get. He didn't. There wasn't a note of melancholy and whimsy on his face when you said hairy balls. He didn't go. Oh, <laughs> I miss mine. Mine are in a garbage can at the vet's office. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyway, uh, let's not let the public name stuff. I think that's what. We, anytime you can say Hitler did nothing wrong was one of the Mountain Dew choices. Right. I think that's and it. could possibly be the yeah the actual thing because you know the other choices weren't that great either. So. Yeah. So, are we saying Salter Payton? Maybe Salty Payton? Salter I Payton like Salter Payton. Salter Payton, I think. That's, that's, that might be... That, that's kind of an all-encompassing one. We love Walter. Who doesn't love Walter Payton? He's exactly, one yeah. of the most beloved Chicago icons of all time. Nobody doesn't love Walter. Yeah, I like Salter so. Payton. All right. That I or, I would, if it wasn't um, after Sammy S- Sosa, I would enjoy Sammy Snosa. Me too, but I hate it Sammy Sosa. so, so well. <laughs> right. Know? I agree. It's a great name. I just don't like the guy they named it after. <laughs> exactly. It's like, so, ah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll keep in touch on that. And then, you know, like when the snow starts to come down, Esmeralda, you and I, let's be, let's have our eyes peeled and our phones ready to take pictures of the snow plows with their names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone so, will and- get to see. Yeah, but and that's we not want till, you. So they they won't vote until the thirty first. Okay, so it's the end of the month. So you can vote until then, everybody. Vote until then. <laughs> Let's get Salter Payton. Let's get Salter Payton in there. Yeah, um, and then get your phones ready during the snow. And we want to we want to see pictures. Send them to us. Email them to me, nickdpodcast at gmail dot com. When those snow plows are out there, get those pictures and let's get the names. Talk about the names. So, um, all right, we have our final candy to taste test. Our final snacks here from Japan. Mm-hmm. And then starting uh, on uh, Tuesday next week, we will start taste testing our Kit Kat flavors from around the world. Yes. Very exciting. Very, yeah. And then we I move on. I enjoy all the different flavors, so yeah, I'm excited absolutely. to try all I'm these. I'm excited, too. I'm excited, too. And then we'll move on to the bulk Mexican candy that we got. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but let's finish up the Japanese candy. Now, we've got what looks like two little like cracker cakes or whatever, little, mm-hmm. little and then cookies. what, and then like two... Candies, hard candies, like that you would find in your parents uh, on your parents' dining room in there in the coffee, right. on the coffee table, uh, and those look to be. We'll t- save those for last because those are something we're going to have to suck on, like hairy balls. Right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. All right. But let's try the little crunchy the little candy roll. thing first. Yeah, the little roll. Yeah. And this is mine is gr- not green, but it looks a little brownish. It doesn't look yeah, appetizing. It's- it's probably like a matcha flavor or green tea, something like that. All Maybe. Right. We'll, okay. we'll find out. All right. Are you ready? Did you get yours? I'm trying to open yep. it. Okay. Yours is open? Mm-hmm. All right. Here oh. we go. Oh, no. It's chocolate. Yep. I think. No, no, no. You know what no. it is? Um, I think this is um, well, like a bean. Very, very chewy. It might be. You know what? This might be black bean. I think it is. It's black bean. It is. It's well, nah. kind of like this. It's all right. It's very chewy. Mm-hmm. Some of these are hard on the dental work. If you've had dental work done, I wouldn't recommend some of these candies that we've been eating. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of a bean, a, a, a black bean, sweet but spicy, kind of very very chewy. Okay, and the next is like a little cookie. Mm-hmm. 
And it's got like green, it looks like green frost. Mine's all broken up and smashed, so I have to make sure it doesn't spill out all over my dining room. Um, it, it looks like a little cracker cookie with a green sparkly top, like a coating. Yeah, they put a little, some kind of um, spark, mm. um, sprinkles of some sort, maybe. Okay. This tastes like styrofoam. Yeah. I'm not enjoying this. It tastes like styrofoam. Oh. It's got a little... The thing on top is a little little kind of... No, it's not good. It tastes like styrofoam. Yikes. Yeah, that's So basically... So what's going on here, Osmel? Did we like... Just the worst for last. That's exactly right. (laughs) I mean, because this was all random. You know what I mean? Like we randomly chose all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I kind of, when we would look in the bag, I I kind of avoided that cookie. Right. Okay. And then the last one is like a ball of hard candy. Mine looks to be, uh, uh, the, the outside looks like it's flavored like grape. But it's so like a, I, oh. have, I have a melon and I have a cola. Okay. Hard candy. Let's see here. Oh, it's good. It's, it's. Ooh, it's good. That is nice. It's really good. Mm. Very flavorful. Mine is very grapey. Mm. Um, and it's got a little kick to it. Well, it's delicious. It's really good. Mm. Yeah, and it's old school, old person, old people candy dish. Hard candy is what it, it is. It is good, though. It's really good. By far the best thing we've tasted today. By I far. think there's some sort of evis, um, effervescence to them. Um, if you look at the label, there's like bubbles behind it, so I think mm. that's kind of yeah. Okay, so yes, so it on kind the, of on, feels that way. Yes, on the hard candy. No, mm-hmm. on the two crackers, especially the one that tastes like styrofoam. Not yeah, the red bean one was fine. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. be choosing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely lacks by some of the stuff that we've eaten earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So. All right. Well, overall though, Esmeralda, the Japanese snack slash candy taste test. I would say the majority of stuff has been really good or great. Yeah, we had some really good ones. Yeah, great stuff. Um, and our, thank, our thanks to Deanna for sending us all those Japanese snacks. Yeah. All the so. corn snacks were delicious. Absolutely. Those corn snacks are fantastic. We have to order those. We'll uh, mm-hmm. order a bunch of those. But next we move on. On Tuesday, we will move on to our next taste testing, which will be Kit Kat flavors from around the world. Ooh. Huh? How about that? That sounds like ah! a... So <laughs> He's so excited. Just threw He's himself so off. Just threw himself off. Okay. All right. Well, listen, my thanks to Eric and Steve for reviewing the new movies uh, this week. Esmeralda, you rule the planet. Oh, um, thank you. And uh, we want you to be a part. So if you want to sponsor the show, you can. Uh, sales at RadioMisfits.com. Voicemails 24-7, anytime you want. 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the sounds and the music and the themes. And my thanks to Ed and everybody at RadioMisfits.com. Please take the time to listen to all of the podcasts here, including my other one, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. And rate and review us on every platform. Start those discussions. And we will talk to you next time when Dan Feinberg will be with us for his bi-weekly visit to talk about uh, TV and much more. Esmeralda, thanks. Thank you. And everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on-